Each time we come to the Lord's table, I ask the Lord to give me just a simple thought, just one thing. Sometimes it's the blood, and one time it was the body, or one aspect of Calvary. And tonight I just want to take a few minutes and talk about mercy. Mercy. That's why I asked the choir to sing tonight, The Mercy Tree. We heard it was a cross of grace, and we heard it's a mercy tree as well. And both are evident at the cross of Calvary, aren't they? I love that old song at Calvary. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. It certainly is a mercy tree. And I'm just going to share a verse with you in James chapter 5 and verse 11. If you have your Bibles, you might like to turn there, and I'll probably be done reading by the time you find it, right near the back of your Bible. And uh, James chapter 5 and verse 11. And I want you to etch these words into your mind. If there's, there's some verses of Scripture, or at least some concepts of Scripture, we should never forget. We should never lay aside. And uh, because there's going to be a day when you need them. There comes a time in our life, every last one of us need mercy. Even if you're a born-again child of God, living your very best and trying your very best to live a holy life, there are days where you must cry out for mercy. It might, it might not be of any fault of your own. You might be crying out for mercy for the sake of a loved one. Mercy for the sake of somebody who is sick or dying. And so we all stand in need of mercy at some point. And so I want you to remember this about the Lord Jesus Christ. In James chapter 5, look at verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. When I think of that passage of Scripture, when I heard of the patience of Job. We know the story of Job, don't we? Job was an upright man, the Bible says, and the Lord uh, was very proud of Job. And as the devil went to the Lord, I believe, to give accountability. Aren't you glad that the devil could do nothing short of the hand of God? And so as we see the devil goes to the Lord, he says, hast thou considered my servant Job? He's an upright and a perfect man, one that escheweth evil. And Satan says, he only does all of that because you've blessed him so much. He says, take away some of the things he has and take away his family and he will curse you. And God said, go ahead, take everything but his life if you desire. We know he lost all of his family and he lost his health and his friends turned upon him. Even his wife told him to curse God and die. But the Bible talks about the patience of Job because he knew of the mercy of God. But then it says about the end of the Lord. Well, the Lord has no end. He is everlasting to everlasting. He's eternal God. So what does it mean, the end of the Lord? I have to believe it's talking about his time on the cross. The end of his physical life on this earth. He said, well, he rose again and spent time on this earth, but it was a much different person, wasn't it? That night he walked through a wall. He had a glorified body. He was different than he had been, that flesh and blood that roamed on this earth for over 33 years. But as we consider the end tonight, we consider the cross of Calvary, notice what the Bible says of him. He's very pitiful and of tender mercy. In other words, he did all of that because he pitied us and chose to show us mercy. I want to just give you some things tonight very quickly about mercy. And as I think of the the scope of God's word, I guess, is the best way to put it. 
I think we see the cry for mercy all through the word of God, don't we? Over and over again, we see people crying out for mercy. And the one that strikes me the quickest is the rich man in hell. The Bible says that the rich man lifted up his eyes. He said, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And said Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I, I just think about the vast legions of people in hell tonight crying for mercy. I said a moment ago that the song, when it said, Here, where the cry of the Savior splits the darkness, would be something that would be chilling for me. I don't like to hear people crying out in pain. I, it, it bothers me. I was with uh, my wife in the delivery room for four children. That bothered me. I often say it's harder on the man. And uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I really don't believe that anymore. I was in the delivery room with Emily. And we didn't stay till the end, but we were there while she was going through some of the labor, and that bothered me. I didn't, I didn't like to hear the cries of people in pain. Years ago, I had to go visit somebody in the Hamilton Sanatorium. Not the new state-of-the-art facility that they have there now at Mohawk and West Fifth, but the old sanatorium. And every section of the hospital was divided if somebody was suffering from one ailment, they were in this group of people and another ailment over here and another ailment over here. And it was a maze of hallways that would connect all these different buildings. Those halls were all concrete and they would echo. And every once in a while as you're walking and all alone usually in those hallways because people couldn't leave those certain areas, you would hear the screams of people tormented by their thoughts and it just was a chilling feeling, and it just it carries with me today. But can you think of the rich man lifting up his eyes in hell, being in torment in the flame, and crying for mercy? All of hell crying out for mercy. Can I, can I give you a suggestion very quickly tonight before we get too far? If you would have the foresight to cry unto Jesus for mercy today, you'll never have to cry to mercy in hell. You can trust him today because he is of tender mercy. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 says he is rich in mercy. And he'll extend that mercy to us. When I think about the cry for mercy, I think of blind Bartimaeus. In Mark chapter 10, we just read a couple weeks ago, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. We think of the Canaanite woman who was crying out for her daughter, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil." A man crying for his son, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and into the water. And what about the publican praying? Yeah. We've thought so much about tonight already about those that cry out for a physical deliverance, for those that are hurting and in pain and those that are in hell crying for mercy. But you know, the greatest mercy we can find is mercy in the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the publican, the Bible says, he beat his chest. And listen, and the publican, staring afar, or standing afar off, wouldn't so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Friend, have you cried out for that mercy? I said a moment ago that if we would cry to Jesus for mercy today, we'll never have to wait till we get to hell 
to cry for mercy. For the Lord Jesus Christ will save your soul tonight if you'll just trust him and believe in him for eternal life. The Bible says we have all sinned. And just like that publican, we too must cry out for mercy for we are sinners. We must plead with the finished work of Calvary, what Christ has accomplished on the cross, and understand that it is a completion, it is finished, it is sufficient to pay the price of all of our sins. The cry of this world is mercy. I think of what the Lord Jesus Christ said as he approached Jerusalem, and he said, they are like sheep without a shepherd. Every man has gone after his own way. Everybody is just scattered. And it broke the Lord's heart. But I look at the world today and I think the same thing. They're just looking for some sort of fulfillment. They're sheep without a shepherd. And the shepherd they need is the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And if they would just come to him, they would find mercy and you can find it tonight as well. We see the sad cry for mercy in the Bible. But as we think tonight and our eyes turn to Calvary... I want you to think for a moment of the sinner's cross of mercy. Yes, I called it a sinner's cross. It was never intended for a perfect man like the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not a place that the Romans decided they would crucify the innocent. Thousands upon thousands of people were crucified on Roman crosses. As a matter of fact, in one point in history, there was an insurrection. And one of the Roman leaders who won the insurrection and took over, decided that he would crucify all of his enemies and they lined the roads with 6,000 crosses and they did a parade down the middle as all those men hung there writhing in pain. It was a cruel, torturous rack. But our Lord Jesus Christ endured it for you and me. Could I encourage you to turn to Isaiah chapter 53 for a moment? We're going to read just a touch about his suffering tonight. Isaiah chapter 53. Look at verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Put, put your name in there, would you? Verse 5. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him 
the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and, we have, and was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of the people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand." What a cruel scene. I wonder sometimes as I think about the cross of Calvary, what grieved the Savior more? Was it the pain from the nails, the thorns upon his brow, the raw and torn flesh upon his back from the whipping he took, rubbing against that cruel cross? Or was it that he bore our sins? I said it was a sinner's cross, And truly no cross in the history ever bore more sin than that one. Not because of the spotless Lamb of God, but because He was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. He bore the iniquity of us all. All the sin of all mankind was placed upon His shoulders. And paid for that night. It was a sinner's cross of mercy. Ephesians chapter 2 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 says this about our salvation. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. Romans 3.25, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness on the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 25 talks about God sending his son to be the propitiation. So what does that mean? It means it satisfies the very wrath of God. The very next verse after that one says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what it cost. But praise God, Jesus Christ in his mercy paid that price. And he is the propitiation. He is the satisfaction. If there was a bill that was written, it says paid in full because of what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished on that sinner's cross. But I want you to see the last thing tonight. And this is what kind of struck me as I was searching. We've seen in the Bible a sad cry for mercy. And we've talked about a sinner's cross of mercy. But let me just say this. There's a startling conclusion 
to mercy. As I was searching for this word mercy and mercies in the Bible, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. I looked for every variation I could think of. I looked for the word merciful. Do you know where I don't find the word mercy in the Bible? In the book of Revelation. In 22 chapters, we don't find the word mercy even one time. Brother Roberts read it this morning. It is given unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Revelation is the judgment of God. And once judgment comes, it's too late for mercy. God has extended his mercy for all these years. Take your age tonight. And for all the years of your life, God has extended you mercy. Every moment of every day, every breath you take is another opportunity to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saved tonight, every breath you take is but by the mercy of God. Because the wages of sin is death. But one day, the Lord will return and receive his own unto himself. And mercy will end. There's no more opportunity. You will see in the book of Revelation some of the wrath of God poured out upon the face of the earth. Every seal that is open, every trumpet that is blown, every bowl and vial that is poured out of his wrath just grows and it grows and it grows. And it gets worse and worse. There is no mercy to be found. Would you seek mercy today? I believe that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we have to call upon the Lord and be saved. Our Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, as we come to this time of memorial, as we gather around the table, and tonight our, our thoughts turn to mercy, as we take of the, this wafer, this unleavened bread, that has already been broken and provided for us. It is a remembrance of your broken body, given in mercy. As we take of this cup, the fruit of the vine, Lord, as is poured out, we understand it is the picture of the poured out blood of Christ, the redemptive power of Christ, the blood that washes away our sins if we would just simply believe and put our faith and trust in him. And Father, we know that you did all of that, as Ephesians 2 reminds us, for God who is rich in mercy. So Father, we pray, Lord, that as we gather around this table, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts tonight. May it be a time of reflection, a time of searching our own hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to just draw closer to you tonight. And we'll thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.